1: welcome to Amazing Grace for another week. I pray you will be blessed and my name's Lynette and today I'm joined by Dennis, my husband. Here at Amazing Grace we want to hear from you. We also have some free giveaways. In the local takeaways here in Palmerston North you'll find a little magazine called Signs and it's packed full of articles on health and family and issues that we face in life today. And uh, you can also um, contact us if you're interested in reading the book Steps to Christ, which is a powerful little book. And also we'd be happy to pray for you or a friend or a family member on ear or off air. You can contact us by email and the email addresses info at mpr dot n z or you can text us on O double two six eight one five two one six. All right, so let's branch into our program for today. And I was reading um, having a look at the book of deuteronomy and i'm going to read this verse from deuteronomy 13:19 god says i have called i call heaven and earth as a witness today that i have set before you life and death therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live Always it's a sad story. A young person, in this case a 22-year-old woman, diagnosed with a deadly disease, brain brain tumour. Even with all the marvels of modern medicine, nothing could be done until the inevitable. But this young woman, Sandy, didn't want to die. So she had a plan. After she died... Now this is quite gruesome. Her head would be put in a deep freeze, into a vat of li- liquid nitrogen, in hopes of preserving her brain cells, and there, it would wait—fifty years, years, one hundred years, a thousand years—until some time in the future when technology had advanced enough so that her brain, composed of neural connections, could then be uploaded into a computer. And yes, Sandy could live on, maybe even forever. It's a sad story, not just because a young person was going to die, but because of where she put her hope of life. Like most people, Sandy wanted life, wanted to live, but she chose a path that, in the end, surely won't work. And we're looking at the choice of life and the opportunity given to us to choose life today, to choose it on the terms that God, the giver and sustainer of life, has gloriously offered. And if you like to take a note of these verses and check them out, the following verses, um, there's Two options, two choices, and um, yeah, check them out. So the first one's John 3, 16, Genesis 7, 22 and 23. Romans 6, 23, which says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So yeah, the two choices are, and each of these verses is more or less the same. It's just said in a different way. So the other verses um, to, to check out are Romans 8 verse 6 and 1 John 5:12 and Matthew 7:24 to27. So in the end, the Bible says there's no middle ground for us human beings. Before the great controversy is completely over, sin, Satan, evil, disobedience, rebellion will be eradicated. After that happens, each one of us individually will either have life, the eternal life that God originally had planned for us all to have before the creation of the world, or face eternal death. The Bible doesn't appear to present any other options for us. So the question to you today and to me is, what fate will be ours? That answer ultimately rests with us. We have the choice before us, life or death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have come. You sent Jesus to this world to come to bring life and life more abundantly. And yet, Lord, you give us freedom of choice. And we ask today that you'll knock on our hearts and speak to us and help us to choose you, the source of life and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to have a song, and the song is called He is Worthy. He is Worthy. to be looking again at the book Live More Happy by Dr Darren Morton and we've been checking out some thoughts that he has been sharing about the limbo which is his nickname for the limbic system in our brain and this part of our brain reminding ourselves is the home or the respons- it's, it's responsible for emotions feeling is its core business and mood, its main role and the amazing effect that it has on on, um, the rest of our our brain and even our body. We've been looking at the chapter that's been called Together Feels Better, and uh, we tend to assimilate with those with whom we associate. Parents know this reality and spend many nights worrying about the friends their children choose, but... Few of us are aware of how pervasive and profound the effects of our social ties are. Havard researchers tracked nearly 5,000 people from the town of Framingham for 20 years and examined their social connectedness and how it affected their happiness and unhappiness. Sophisticated analysis showed that that clusters of happiness and unhappiness existed within the social network. But their research discovered that these clusters were not just due to happy people attracting happy people or sad people attracting other sad ones. Over the 20 years of the study, some people became happier and others less so. And the researchers were able to see How happiness, or lack thereof, spread. Amazingly, the researchers discovered that a change in the happiness of a person in the social network affected the happiness of the friends of their friends' friends. In other words, happiness and unhappiness can be infectiously spread up to three degrees of separation. In short, how we feel is socially contagious. That's something that we want to be contagious for, isn't it? Socially contagious happiness. Sadly, studies also show that suicide is socially contagious. Yes, we influence each other in such a far-reaching ways that it is hardly surprising that researchers keep coming back to the relationships as a cornerstone of a life that flourishes. When researchers study the top 10% of happy people, the single most important factor that emerges is that these very happy people have good social relationships. Good social relationships. Renowned happiness researcher and co author with his father, Ed Diner, of the book Happiness Unlocking the Mysteries of Psychological Wealth, Dr. Robert Bizwas Diner tells an excellent antidote to sum up the key message. While living for a period with the Kalahari Bushmen to study what made them happy, he went on a hunt with the men. After a long day in the blistering sun and heat of African desert, the hunting party had nothing to show for their efforts. Yet, when they turned to head back to camp, they began to sing together, not a forlorn tune, but an upbeat one. Intrigued Robert quizzed one of the Bushmen, You seem happy even though we didn't catch anything. The bushman was somewhat puzzled by the question, but replied, We did not catch anything, but we did not catch anything together. We are designed to operate in community. We're better together. We need each other to do And be our best. The belief that one is cared for, loved, esteemed, and valued has been recognized as one of the most, if not the most, influential determinants of well being for people of all ages and cultures. Relationships are foundational to happiness. That is, of course, if our relationships are positive. And therein lies the problem. And when they are bad, it can be very bad. Essentially, relationships magnify emotions. They leverage our limbo. This is why we can reach higher heights with others, but we can also sink to deeper depths. Thinking about our highest highs and lowest lows, we will probably find that others helped us get there. The people who make us most happy also have the ability to make us the most sad. So how can we discover better relationships so we can immerse ourselves in an uplifting social environment that's a question, isn't it? The solution is simple, at least in theory. Let's look at two strategies. And his two strategies. First one is make new friends the old school way. The first strategy that can help us immerse ourselves in an uplifting social environment is to make new positive friends. Of course, making friends comes easier to some than others, but the advice our mothers probably gave us on day one of school still rings true. Show yourself friendly. Also, go to the places where you'll find friendly people. A great place to look is where people with a positive orientation gather, such as community interest groups like the local fire brigade or rotary club, church groups and sporting clubs. So if we are in need of some new uplifting and supportive friends, we should put on our brave face and get out there. Professor Martin Seligman says that a good lit- litmus test to know if you have a supportive network is if you have friends you can you could call at 3am if you needed to. Do you, do I have friends that we could call at 3am if we needed to? They're good friends, they're supportive friends. Notice that I have advised you, Darren Morton says, to approach this in the old school way. Today, making a new friend often equates to posting a friend request on Facebook. A number of studies are indicating that this is not the best way to give our limbo a lift. It craves real as compared to virtual connection. A recent study found that the extent to which young people interacted on Facebook actually predicted a, dead, a decline in their happiness. In another study, regular Facebook users were asked to not show their face on the book for one month. After one week, participants reported higher levels of life satisfaction and remarkably an increase in their social activity and satisfaction with their social life. At the end of the month, they reported feeling happier and less lonely than a comparison group who continued using the social media site. It was concluded that social media is a non-stop great news channel, a constant flow of edited lives which distorts our perception of reality. We become dissatisfied with our lives because they don't seem to measure up to the unreal ones we are bombarded by. Our obsession with social media is often fueled by a condition referred to as FOMO, fear of missing out. FOMO is defined as a pervasive apprehension that others might be having rewarding experiences from which one is absent. Is absent and is characterized by the desire to stay continually connected with what others are doing. The Australian Psychological Society states that FOMO affects about one in four adults and one in two teens. He says, I'm not suggesting that social media does not have some positive attributes, but the gold standard is and always will be to be in the real rather than virtual presence of others. As much as you are able, make new friends the old school way. So that's our thoughts um, from the book by Dr. Darren Morton. Live more happy for today. And here we come with a our next song and it's called The Hymn of the Ages.
2: History shall bow before your throne Time and space on bended knees shall come Though kingdoms pass away Your majesty remains How great you are How great must be your soul. makes this righteous friend The angels stand in awe. This beggar heart responds How great you are How great must be your song! You're the hero of the age
1: will echo through the ages and uh, we're going to just have our ad break now
0: support this show and others like it by giving a donation for more information go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate if you're a fan of npr listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the kiwi fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.
1: Welcome back. And yes, you're listening to Amazing Grace. And here um, you're listening to your hosts um, Lynette and Dennis. And... Here at Amazing Grace, we remember we have uh, some free giveaways. The book Signs of the Times magazine, you'll find that. Go hunting in the uh, takeaways here locally in Palmerston North. Good articles, health and family and issues that we face each day in our lives. And also the book Steps to Christ, and we're happy to pray you or a friend or family member on or off air, you can contact us. Remember, you can contact us by email at info at nz or text on 0226815216. So now, Dennis is adjoining us me behind the microphones, and he's going to be continuing on his series on the book of Revelation, and we're looking at Revelation 6 today. That's right, isn't it?
0: <coughs> well, yes, we, we didn't finish chapter 5 um, last week, so <coughs> just to go over it briefly, so um, chapter 5 <coughs> is about the lamb. Um, um he sat on the throne and there was this scroll and then John wept because no one could open the scroll and then um <clears throat> one of the elders said um the uh, lion from the tribe of judah he is worthy to uh open the scroll um and then we saw a lamb who was slain and um he had the right to open the the scroll. So um, we got up to um, verse um, 11, whereas um, in verse um, 9, talking about the living creatures and the 24 elders... Um, they they sang a new song, saying, "You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from from every tribe and nation and people." Um. So, uh, the Book of Revelations uh, an amazing book if you understand the symbols. It's 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 heading up to the final events um, in this world. It's telling us what is going to happen before Jesus comes. But um, 4 and 5, um, I think I read this last time, but it's good to go over, and it says um, the issue in Revelation 4 and 5, who is in charge of the universe? So that's a good question, isn't it? Is God in charge? Or has, has he always been just? Um, is he truly worthy to rule? And how can... He be considered just and loving when there is so much suffering in their world. Would you trust a ruler who is willing to die for your benefit? God, who rules the universe, was willing to sacrifice his son, willing to die. We may not understand everything that is going on in the universe. We may not understand what God is doing. We may not understand why so much suffering goes on here. But the book of Revelation tells us that God solved the issue at the cross of Jesus Christ. At the cross, we begin to understand the government of God. At the cross, God demonstrated his right to rule. Now, there's two basic uh, ways to rule in this world by right or by might. The book of Revelation tells us that God rules like a lamb. A lamb is slain, willing to die for his subjects. Revelation tells us, don't worry. In the end, God will set it right, and he will be just and will be seen to be just. Right, so in this world, I just want to go over this point about In this world, um, see, there's two basic ways to rule in this world, by right or by might. Now, it's interesting, um, the world is um, in a situation with COVID-19 and uh, we're seeing some very um, difficult um, commands, especially for those who are not willing to get vaccinated. And so people were losing their jobs if they're not willing. Now, the book of Revelation, I, I just thought I'd point this out. The book of Revelation in chapter 13 will be the final crisis um, at the um, at the end, and I, I think we're getting closer and closer to it. So if, you, if you've got a Bible, if you could look at um, verse 8, Now it says there that all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Now, it says the whole world, whole world, except those who are God's people who have got their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, will not worship this beast. A beast in the Bible, when you look in the the book of Daniel, especially Daniel 7, tells you that a beast represents a kingdom, a kingdom. So this is going to be a power on the earth um, which will command worship. But when you go down a bit more in Revelation 13, and I just want to read um, from verse 13 on, and it says, now this is talking about, you got in Revelation 13 you've got two beasts, one that comes out of the sea and one that comes out of the earth. Now I don't want to go into explaining that, but um, later on we will talk about it um, when we get to it. So it says here in verse 13 that he performed... Um, great miraculous signs even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in view, in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceives the inhabitants of the earth and he orders them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the beast, So that it could, could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. He will force everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless you have the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. So, Um, in the world today we have um, people that are happy to go with what the governments of the world um, are saying about um, forcing people to be vaccinated and then we have other people who are against being forced uh, vaccination now Whether you you like it or you don't like it, but in the future there will be things that maybe you will not like. Um, Force worship. Now, we've seen this back in history many times. Now, I just want to give you an example. Um, It was the time of the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire was a huge empire, and it stretched from the uh, Euphrates to Britain, from Germany to North America. It included all kinds of people and countries. And what they wanted was some unifying idea that could whirl this vast mass into one, and that unifying force was found in Caesar worship. Now, actually, I'm actually quoting uh, William Barclay in his commentary on... um, um, so it's in John and it's in his one on revelation. And uh, Caesar worship <coughs> did not come from the Emperor. Actually, it rose from the people themselves. Uh, the government didn't think it up. the people um, produced it. It was in Asia Minor that that uh, men began to think of Caesar as an emperor. And as the god who embraced Rome, uh, they did so out of sheer gratitude for the blessings that Rome had brought. At first, the emperors discouraged this worship. They insisted that they were uh, mere men and must not be worshipped as gods. But they saw that they could not stop this movement. And when the government saw that they could use it, Here was a unifying principle which was needed. And so there came the day when once a year every inhabitant of the empire had to burn a pinch of incense to the godhead of Caesar. And by so doing, he showed that he was a loyal citizen of Rome. And when he had done so, he received a certificate to say that he had done so. And after a person had done this... Um, he could go off and worship any god he liked. So the worship of Caesar was a test of a man's political loyalty far more than his religious loyalty. Christians couldn't worship Caesar. They couldn't say that um, he is Lord because Jesus alone is Lord, and they refused to conform, and therefore the Roman government regarded them as dangerous and disloyal. So that's one time. Now, another interesting time is in the book of Daniel, or Daniel 3, where we have an experience where Nebuchadnezzar built a, <coughs> a great image and he commanded everyone to bow down and worship this golden image. Now, if, you, if a person didn't bow down, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. So here we had a, a political attempt to unite nations by uniformity of worship. Um, let me say that again. A political attempt to unite nations by uniformity of worship. So governments enforcing worship. Right, so getting back to our situation in the world now where COVID, this is, um, there's a lot of people who are against um, the vaccination um, and a lot of people are for it. Now, whatever side you're on, um, the issue <clears throat> which a lot of people are upset about is taking away freedom. So the day is going to come when you will not have freedom in religion. And uh, you'll be forced. You, I, everyone in this world will be forced one way or another. So we live in interesting times, don't we? (laughs) Interesting times. So um, Lynette, should we have a break?
2: of earth will grow strangely dim in the light
0: Um, welcome back. We, so we're looking at the book of Revelation, and uh, we had a bit of an tr- introduction to where the book of Revelation is taking us. But um, last time we we were on chapter five, and um, I'm just going to ask um, Lynette to read us uh, chapter five, verse eleven and twelve. Thank you.
1: Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength and honor and glory and blessing.
0: Right, <clears throat> that sounds awesome, doesn't it? Mm. So um, now we have all the angels. Before it was um, the living creatures and the twenty-four elders. Um, they fell down and they worship. Now, now we have the voice of many angels, thousands upon thousands, ten thousand times ten thousand. So ten thousand times ten thousand is a hundred million. It's a hundred million. So it's a number that we cannot conceive, you know. Um, and they encircle and they they say, you are worthy to take the scroll. You are the only one that's worthy because you have purchased with your blood um, men for God from every tribe. And uh, they will be a kingdom of priests. So... Um, I read from William Barclay's commentary on Revelation. He says, The song of the living creatures and the elders told of the work of Christ and his death. Now the angels sing the um, of the uh, possession of Christ and his glory. Seven great possessions belong to the risen Lord. The first one, to him belongs power. Paul called Jesus Christ the power of God. He was... He is not one who can plan but never achieve. To him belongs power. um, We can say triumphantly of him, he is able. Now, I I love uh, some of the verses in the Bible, and one is in Hebrews um, 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely. Those who come to God through him, because he always lives uh, to intercede for them. And they're wonderful. He is able to save completely. There's another interesting verse um, in Isaiah, Isaiah 50 and verse 2. And God says, Is it too hard for me to save you? So God can save us. So he has the power to save us. And then it says, To him belong riches. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Poor speaks of the unsearchable riches of Christ. There is no promise that Jesus Christ has made that he does not possess the resources to carry out. There is no claim on him which he cannot satisfy. The third one was wisdom. To him belongs wisdom. Paul called Jesus Christ the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom to know the secrets of God and the solution to the problems of life. So he's got the solutions for the problems of our lives. The next to him belongs strength. Christ is the strong one who can disarm the powers of evil and overthrow Satan. There is no situation which he cannot cope with. You know, when you look at the world, you know, it's a mess, isn't it? And <clears throat> Jesus, he is the one that can solve the problems of this world, and he has. Now, to him belongs, the next one, to him belongs honor. The day comes when every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Isn't that interesting? Every tongue. There's plenty of atheists in this world, and... um a lot of them blaspheme God, but the day is coming when they will kneel and say God is just. A strange thing is that even those who are not Christians often honour Christ by admitting that in his teachings alone lies the hope of this world. To him belongs glory, glory, as John had it. We behold his glory, the glory of the only of the Father, full of grace and truth, Glory is that which by right belongs to God alone. To say that Jesus Christ possesses the glory is to say that he is divine. And then the last um, point is to him belongs blessing. Here is the climax of it all. All these things Jesus Christ possesses, and every one of them he uses in the service of men for whom He loved and died. He does not clutch them for himself. Therefore, there rises to him from all the redeemed thanksgiving for all that he has done. And that thanksgiving is the one gift that we have um, that we who have nothing can give to him who possesses all. So there we have a number of things um, he is power, riches, honor, strength. Um, now I should start again. Let me start again. To him belongs power, riches, wisdom, <coughs> strength, honor, glory, and breath, um, blessings. And so that's what Revelation uh, 5 was saying. Um And I get back there, (coughs) it was saying those very things. (coughs) And then um, 13, verse 13 says, And I heard every creature in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is them, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be praise, honour, and glory, and power forever and ever. So every creature in the whole universe is going to praise Jesus Christ for what he has done. He is worthy because of his love. Isn't that good? That's really good. And then the last verse, and the living creatures, the four living creatures said, Amen, so let it be. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Isn't that wonderful? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, So thank you, Dennis. Yes, so we've come
1: to the end of our Program for another week, and so just a reminder about the uh, the book Steps to Christ that you can um, get from us for free, and also the signs of the Times Magazine in the um, takeaways here locally in Palmerston North. And remember, you can contact us by email info at mpr.nz or text on 0226815216. So, yes, from all of us here, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And we will have a short prayer to finish now. Dear Heavenly Father, we just... uh, commit our ways to you you have said that if we seek you first in your kingdom that everything else will be added unto you unto us and I just pray for the listeners Lord and ourselves that we will cast all our cares upon you because we know you care for us and we thank you in Jesus name Amen so from both Dennis and myself God bless and uh, God be with you until we Here um, until we hear again. Bye
2: for now.